I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Dear 2020, can we just start over? I'm Dorno Porter and I've been thinking about life in lockdown, mostly from a cupboard. My new book, Life in Pieces, is full of thoughts on everything from bad hair and parenting to things we can control and the things we can't. When everything's falling apart, we'll piece it back together. Life in Pieces is out now in hardback, ebook, and audiobook. Hi, I'm Dorno Porter, and welcome back to So Lucky, where each week I go deep with my guest and explore all of the sides to all of their stories, their highs and lows, their hopes and fears, their lucky and their unlucky moments. My guest for you this week is the presenter and friend, Angela Scanlon. I love my chats with Angela, and in this interview, we cover a lot of ground. We talked about her early career in fashion and presenting and how she didn't have a clue what Robot Wars was when she got the job. I got some brilliant parenting tips from Angela's mum, which I'm fully planning to steal. And we talked about the anxiety that we both experienced around becoming a mum and what that does for your identity. We also chatted about how we're both trying to remember to actually have a nice time and occasionally, just even occasionally, just switch off. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I'm very happy to share Angela with you. So this is me, Dorno Porter, talking to the delightful... Angela Scanlon. Angela Scanlon, an Irish lass. That's me. Were you pretty well known in Ireland before you were known here then? Uh, No. Well, I suppose a bit more. Mm. Like... I so in Tellyland I had just started when I I signed an agent over here before I had really done anything in Ireland nobody in Ireland would touch me (laughs) I had done the rounds and tried to get an agent and they were like yeah whatever why do you think it didn't why do you think I don't know I was was a stylist and I was I was really green and I was like I hadn't done anything I didn't know how telly worked I but I kind of had this confidence or Bolshiness, where I would email, you know, the top agent yeah. in the country, and be like, "You really need to meet me." Like, I, I genuinely believe you'll fall in love with me and realise <laughs> I'm going to be a big deal. And you know, not far off that wording. And he's like, "I'm grand, thanks." And it's funny. Years later, he actually slipped me a card across the table Are you serious? when we were, yeah. Anyway, um, but actually, I really held on to that for a long time. But I've thankfully let it go. But. I I started doing documentaries while I was trying to get stuff away here as well. And in a way, the the first documentary I did in Ireland was an idea that actually had been developed for here and and not gone. Um, So, yeah. Was that Oi Ginger? Yes. God, what a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant programme that was. So Uh, where did that idea come from? That kept purely from... um, what was your inspiration Basically, as I look at the uh, trying to So I was trying to get um, uh, any idea away, really. And my background had been fashion and um, 
people weren't really interested in fashion programs at right. the time. So I decided, okay, what what's a documentary that I could do that only I could do? Yeah. Obviously, there are other redheads available. <laughs> um, but at the time, I was like, okay, that's an, a story that is inherently um, relevant, I suppose, to me. So, yeah, I... I it started because I had been at a party years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. I am one of four girls. Three out of four of us are carrot heads. And very proud. Like, I've yeah. never really noticed it as anything other than, you know, slight amusement in America. Right. But it was, it made me feel a bit special and it was unique. So I never thought of it as a really awful thing. Maybe briefly in my teenage years when you just want to be the same as yeah. everybody else. But I was at a party and this... Um, this woman said to me, oh, your hair is beautiful. And I was like, thanks. And she said, how do, how do you find it? <laughs> like it was some sort of STD. <laughs> and I said, what? What do you mean? She was like, well, my daughter, she's she's 10 and her boyfriend has just dumped her. She absolutely hates it. And her boyfriend has just dumped her because um, he said she's got red hair and she's not very sexy. Oh, wow. And those two things were connected. And she was like, she wants to dye her hair. She was a kid. And I just thought, shit, like 11, 12, you're about to go into, you know, adolescent years. And I just thought, God, that idea that actually for so many people that having red hair is like quite an awful thing that you have to endure. Right. Eventually, I think it becomes very much part of your identity, but actually it's quite a long road. And it just seems so ridiculous to me. So that was kind of, it was exploring gingerism as the last remaining acceptable prejudice. And what did you discover? That for most people, men... Particularly, it was it was a cross, right? A cross that they had to bear, and that but that like ultimately, um, yeah, it was it became so intrinsically linked yeah. with with how people see themselves, and how, they're like very protective over. I think people, you know, as they and I get messages all the time from women who are saying, "I'm losing my red hair. How do I like? I want to dye my hair. It needs to be an exact color. They right. don't ever want to look like they have fake red hair because they've kind of <laughs> they've dealt with the shit of being." red for years and they're like now that I like it I want it to be you know the best and so yeah it was um, yeah we we went into all of the science and the kind of yeah it's like a slight and this is a bit controversial but it's a genetic mutation right yeah that's I was going to say you've got to have that mutation is it on both sides of the family yes so you're either so obviously as a redhead I'm a carrier um, have you got freckles? Not so much. I, I mean, you, I'm very moly. Mm, very moly. Which is nice. Nice way to put it. <laughs> got lots of beauty spots. Yeah. You could you could be a carrier. Of the of the ginger you gene? Are, yeah. So you don't have to be a redhead to be a carrier. Roy has not, like, looks like the opposite of a redhead. In right. skin colour, in hair, everything. But he... He's a carrier, obviously, because we have a little redzer. Right, okay. And um, don't you just love it in families when just a redhead pops up oh out God. of nowhere? I love And then they kind of look down, do 23andMe and realise that there was a great, 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 great on both sides that was a stunning redhead. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love it when they just pop out. I know. <laughs> like, where I know. do you come from? It's I so know. sweet. And that was an awesome show. I just love it. I love how bold it was. And I love that it was like, I love those kind of documentaries where you're like, does that need a TV show about it? And actually, it really, really yeah. did. It was so good. Because <laughs> it does sound like, I mean, of all of the um, people who are being persecuted, were, you know, we're pretty far down the list. Yeah. So then since then, obviously, you've just gone on to do so many things. Was So you covered Alex on the one show yes. for her maternity leave. Was that a massive breakthrough moment for you? Um, I think probably the biggest breakthrough moment for me 
at least the sh- the feeling was was robot wars oh, yeah, actually. Um, so that was maybe a year, a couple of years before that, and that was like so left field, right? So out of the blue, I got a call from my agent, and they were like, um, "So you've been offered?" It was just straight up offer. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's just incredible. I know. And I had, like, literally, I had done a Tea in the Park live coverage and I had done the the behind-the-scenes stuff of The Voice. I had done a lot of documentaries yeah. at this point in, in Ireland. But it was, yeah, they've, you know, want you to do Robot Wars. God, what a call. So what, what did you say? I remember I was sitting in my flat in East London. I was sitting down, I was curling my hair. And I said, this is awful, I'd be absolutely shot. And I've never said this, but I can say it now. I said, what's that? <laughs> did you really? And he was like, okay, I'm going to hang up the phone. You are going to go on YouTube and watch Robot Wars. I mean, it's massive. Yeah. I actually was a runner on it once. Oh, And right. so I get a, an idea of that set. It's it's a it's enormous Phenom- and yeah. it as uh, and the idea of you doing it like when you said you're doing it I was like yes that is such a good fit and to think that someone somewhere had just made that connection that you would be a straight up offer is fantastic yeah and I thought yeah cool yeah I'll do it in a way I was free because I hadn't grown up watching Robot Wars right I didn't know you know culturally how enormous it was oh, for people of our I age mean, it is a world that you enter into yeah people love those robots oh my god they <laughs> love them but I loved those people so oh, much oh great that's so awesome it was but actually the the I remember getting down there or up there, I never know how. Anyway, it was filmed in Glasgow and we walk in. It was myself and Dara O'Brien. And obviously Dara like, has done stadiums. He's got That yeah. scale is not going to phase him yes. in the least. That's what he does. And I went in I was like, oh, oh my fuck. goodness. I mean, this in, a, a container in an industrial estate, yeah. estate in Glasgow, massive, you know, jibs with the, like cameras that have been set up to do these swooping shots, yeah. cherry pickers to do, you know, shots of us up on this. Like it was, it was huge. The whole thing was huge. And I was so, I so overwhelmed. And it was a new show, obviously. So pro- for, we, we went to do the run through and the production. Obviously, they're all thinking about the production. You're kind of the last thing that they're thinking about yeah. in that moment. And I'm like, lads, I literally have no idea what I'm doing. And so we we God. did the run through and I felt so wobbly. And it was like, let's say it was a Tuesday. Dara had to leave on the on the Wednesday and then we were back to film on the Thursday, let's say. And I had said, I'm going to stay in Glasgow and I'm going to chill out for, for a couple of days and get yeah. ready. And I came off rehearsal and I was like, oh my God, I actually just felt so unworthy. I was like, they've, like, they've made a mistake. Right. This is, this is too much. It's too big. I, I, I'm not ready for this. And I was trying, obviously, to swallow all of that feeling. Um, and I came off and I said to my agent, I was like, oh, that was intense. And I actually was really quite emotional yeah, about it. And they... It called the following day and they're like, oh, um, I had done a, at this point a few films on the one show, the like insert VTs. And they said, oh, they'd, the one show would like you to come into the studio to chat off the back of VT. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. They want you to come down tomorrow. And I thought, oh, it's a lot. And then I have to fly back. It was the best thing I ever did. I went back down. I sat on the couch in studio. Yeah. Like it felt really big. It was the biggest, you know, biggest yeah. audience by a long shot yeah. that I'd ever sat in front of. And I nailed it. And I went back up there going, this is what I'm That's, supposed to yes. be. I'm like, I'm supposed to be here. Yes. And it just changed how, 
yeah, how I felt, I suppose. And it 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 really felt like um yeah, a, a moment. God, what a thing. So yeah. in in reference to that and your life in general, um, how do you think that luck has played a part in your life? I it's funny. I'm not only asking you that because you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, well, my mom did always say to us when we were grown up, you were born lucky. And she said, my mother told me I was born lucky and you're all born lucky. You're cut cats. I don't even know what that means. But like, you you all kind of land on your feet. And I didn't really realise it at the time. But like, what a blessing that yeah. is to be kind <clears> of told that. Because I think there is... Um, it breeds, you know, and that idea, if you feel lucky, if you think you're lucky, if you think things come to you yeah. easily, um, then they they do. Yeah. And so, whereas if you have this idea that, oh, I never, I never win anything, I never get the thing, I never, then that also breeds, you know, um, like self-fulfilling prophecy, I suppose. Uh-huh. So in my mind, I was gifted as a kid with this idea that I was just lucky. And so it made me, it made me quite... Um, brave I think oh good what a lovely thing for mother to say yeah steal that one yeah I know I've been doing it with Ruby as well and I think it's a lovely because it's kind of like you know there's no weight in it there's no expectation it's just like babe you're free go do whatever you want to do um you know, there's a lot that, that she didn't get right, like yeah. all parents, like all mothers. Um, but that is the one thing that I kind of feel like, wow, it was, um, yeah, it was a gift. And I, it definitely made me chance things uh-huh. and try things. And, you know, she would she would always say, say yes and figure out how to do it later. That's a great piece of advice, yeah. especially to daughters. Totally. I think that's a great piece. And this is talking about sex, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but in terms of your career, that's yeah. really good advice. Totally. And I don't know whether that's, uh, you know, I'm one of four girls. I don't know whether... Because there was no boys, I just we never thought of ourselves as any different, as like there were certain things that we weren't as females allowed to do or allowed to reach for. It was just kind of, yeah, I never really understood the distinction between what men and women were allowed to do. That's a really interesting thing. I wonder if there's any studies done on Mm. the the difference in confidence levels in adulthood of um, women who were just with sisters, with no boys, because I was just a sister as well. And so there was kind of none of that male energy around and we were both... You know, we were both kings of our castles. Totally. So I wonder, that's quite an interesting thing, isn't mm. it? So with four girls, were you were you close? Did you egg each other on or was it quite... We were close. We were like four under six. I just can't. I cannot and I won't. Sharp and take a breath. Um, oh, yeah, Christ. and we were like, we were wild. We were wild. How yeah. do people do it? Like, I, don't know. I guess was your mum working? She stayed at home, but she worked in my dad. So my dad was a builder, and she worked in like his business. Okay. But it, you know, in a really kind of thankless way yeah. in the evening, like it was. You know, her job was to uh, to do it. I mean, you'd, ha- you'd have to like mm. us yeah. under four under six. Like that's that's three full time jobs all squashed together. Yeah. God, yeah. good for her. I know. I know. I mean, I yeah. I don't know that you would. Um, my granny. My dad is one of 14. I just can't. <laughs> and that's another level because actually I do think the the implications of that, like the, the, that's definitely felt, I think. 
yeah, that sure. amount. I just don't know. I'm, and I mean, maybe that's me. I, I, as a mother, how how much of you is there to go around as a well, dad? Well, I think the impression that I get from those big families is that the siblings do a lot of the work. Yeah. So, you know, lots of people will say, the older siblings always say that, um, oh yeah, I brought up the younger ones. And then the they don't ones. have kids of their own because they're like, I done. know. How often does that happen? Mm-hmm. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah, like I've had children, I've done it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always, I always love those. those but also, then the, the the top of the family and the like, the eldest and the youngest hardly know each other because by the time the youngest were born, the eldest had already left. Yeah. Particularly back in the day, and had such a different experience of childhood. Totally, as well. like literally d- different generations. Yeah. you know, um, so it kind kind of odd. Whereas obviously we were like four, very close in age. We had the exact same <coughs> um, experiences, I guess, and and upbringing. But um, yeah, it kind of went in and out, like really thick as thieves with one, you know, for a period, and yeah. then that would shift. Right. Um, but yeah, we're we're pretty close now. Where are you in the mix? Second from the top, second okay. eldest. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, God, four sisters. I mean, I, I can only imagine the screaming that went on in that house. I mean, teenage um, years were fun. And are you all quite similar? Like in, um, you kind of look the same. You, yeah, we look. Yeah. We look very similar. Three of out of four of us look very very similar. Right. Um, yeah. Myself and my youngest sister look, people will say, but then we all sound really the same. Right. So my mum wouldn't know who she's talking to on the phone. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've kind of slightly used those things a little bit, myself <laughs> and my youngest sister a bit. Um, yeah. So it's a bit fun, but I guess maybe if you look at it really alike, it's it's kind of trickier to yeah. you, you have to work harder to to create your own identity yeah. you know so i do think we were all we were all quite different you know christine my eldest sister was identified as the academic one from right. from quite early like i mean what that means when you're in first class yeah. i don't know but that was her gig i wasn't great at solving maths problems which meant i was you know fun but thick yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, Siobhan was a real tomboy and Annette was then like my dad's pet, like really. And that kind of is like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it was weird. God. <laughs> Let's skip from that experience of family to your own. Yeah. So how's motherhood going? Mm. Big generic question for you to answer. Yeah. Um, how is it going? Do you know what? It's going really well. Oh, good. Yeah. I was so afraid of being a mother. I, like, yeah, a massive amount of my fixation and my energy and my focus over the last number of years was on my job. And, you know, I was doing great things and I was getting applauded and everything was fabulous. Mm -hmm. And the idea of kind of stepping away from that, Mm. taking my foot off the pedal, being a mother, it felt in a way just so pedestrian to me, like everybody's a mum. It's so like what everybody does. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. And I kind of resisted that. And I think I was just really afraid of whether I would be able to do it or not, whether I would be any good. Um, And there's a kind of like streak in me that's very much, you know, like quite perfectionist kind of streak not in the what's your biggest weakness oh I'm a perfectionist but actually like it's quite like it's not a good thing and so I kind of the 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 humanness of being a mother terrified me and um, but I knew that I wanted kids I just didn't know when I wanted to not be working right and so anyway um, yeah I got I got pregnant and I was again a lot of my pregnancy I was quite anxious about actually becoming a mum and then and then I had her and I didn't speak for around 36 hours Really? What was going on in that pretty little head? I don't know It, it all happened really quickly I mean, it didn't. I was in labour all day, but in my, I was actually in denial, I think. Right. And so I went into the hospital and she, you know, did a little swoop around down there and I was eight centimetres dilated. Wow, and you didn't even realise. I, I kind right, of knew. Right, but you, but the, but God, you got that like, far without pain, that's good. Yeah, yeah. A TENS machine. And and I said, so what, 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 what happens now? And she was like, we're going to have a baby. And it was like, <gasps> this idea that there's no turning back. No, we've got, we're having brunch, you know, tomorrow. And, right. and this isn't supposed to happen for a couple of weeks. She was only three days early, but in my mind, I had decided yeah, she was going to be some more time. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I just, it hit me like a ton <clears> of <throat> bricks. And it took me quite a while. I went back to work really early and partly because I kind of felt not equipped actually Mm. I felt like this little bubble of joy that I had heard people talk about um, I I didn't um, I didn't I had to consciously you know try to feel that instead of it it being a really natural thing which felt shit actually Um, and and breastfeeding was really tough and I eventually worked but I was like so hell-bent on doing it that I was psychotic almost and you know I had nipple infections and I had mastitis and everything and there was no way there was not nothing was going to stop me from doing it because in my mind I was going to do that I had decided to do it and that's how it worked and you know to kind of the detriment of myself and maybe just that um 
that period, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be, you know, it's obviously hardcore, but it's supposed to be cosy and like gentle. And yeah. I mean, maybe that's like, yeah, the Instagram version of it. Yeah. Um, and I went back to work and I kind of, you know, sporadically, because obviously I'm in a very lucky position where I don't need to decide to go back mm-hmm. and then I'm nine to five forevermore. Um, so <clears> I kind of, yeah, I... Yeah, I, d- I love it now. Yeah, yeah. But for a long time, I just felt like I was... I was what the hell have I done? Yeah, and faking it. And I yeah. loved her, but it didn't feel natural to me at I, all. I, you're describing something. I, I remember feeling um, after I had art, I remember when he came out, feeling a primal um, need to take care of him. Mm-hmm. And it was... I actually, had, I, it was, I had a good experience that I'm very grateful for. But... Um, I remember a few weeks after and I had him home and I felt like I fell in love with him. And it came over me like this actual feeling of like, oh God, there it is. Okay, I'm not just now moving you from boob to bed to do this and I'm telling everyone, oh, I'd never felt love like it. I've never felt... And I knew I did because I knew I had to take care of him. But I remember the moment where I fell in love with him and all the the actual... My heart came into it rather than this kind of um, just, yeah, like animal yeah. instinct to take care and to keep alive that's and your to feed. gig is to yeah survival then, kind yeah, of you can and you kind of i floated along with that for a while and then um and then the love kind of came with this kind of overwhelming feeling of like oh there you are mm. okay and then it kind of it, it all kind of settled and i i believe that women that happens for different women at different times totally. for some women it happens immediately mm. for some women like me it was a couple of weeks later and for yeah. some women it takes fucking ages and it must be terrifying yeah yeah, and I think for me, that the <clears throat> idea of that, what I knew was inevitable. Yeah. That, like, all-consuming, just the hugeness of, of the love felt, like, too much and mm. too scary, actually. Mm. That idea of... Um, yeah, of of like needing mm-hmm. that baby as much as as she needs you, you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, when you're self sufficient and you're very independent yeah. and you're kind a of huge shift. It's massive. It's massive, and it took me a really long time. Yeah. Um. To uh. Yeah. To really to grow into it, and it's funny. Somebody said to me recently, they're like, I was like, I just sometimes still, kind of find myself doing things like decorating a pizza with her and thinking, oh my God, like this version of me slightly rolling my eyes because I'm pretending to be this mother. totally. I feel like that all the time. Sometimes I can remember walking walking down the street with a buggy and just... Like, who is this yeah. woman? But like, who am I this? fooling? I know. Yeah. And I I could never go to any of those mummy and me classes or anything like that. I was almost like, I refused to enter into a world designed for mothers because I am still dawn. I had it with art oh, was such a bitch as a pregnant person. Like people just constantly commenting on it. I just launched a, launched a business. I just signed my book deals. I was also happened to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. But until my baby came, I wasn't engaged with that. And that was and, um, exactly the same as yeah. me, which is why I think I was shocked when yes. she actually arrived because right. I hadn't connected with the fact that at a certain point a baby arrives. Yeah, yeah, and but it's funny how um, I mean now it's just you kind of I still haven't. So I'm ten days away from my kids at the moment, which is the longest I've ever done, and 
I think it was this morning where I woke up and I like, it was about an hour later. I think it was this morning. I mean, this week's been such a blur. Um, I remember kind of waking up and like getting dressed and doing all these things. And then I was like, oh, I've just thought about them. Mm. And I was like, oh, God, I almost forgot. Yeah. I was here, like sleeping in until eight o'clock, getting up, getting dressed without like one of them up my skirt. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, oh, God how long could I have gone on like that for where I just forgot I had them and then they come back into your mind and you're reminded and it's just like, it's it's a funny thing. I think when, you know, especially for us and we had babies, what is considered to be quite late doesn't yeah. feel late to me at all, mm-hmm. but it's, I was 36 when I had arts. How old were you when you had Ruby? 35. Right, so yeah. we're kind of, you know, that seems normal now, but it probably is genetically yes. quite late. Well, we're like that's technically... Right Geriatrics. <laughs> um, so we had a lot of time to ourselves. We had a long life of being, being independent you. and being us. So for anyone to expect that is, um, that's not an honest part of it, I find, you know, for the kind of women that we are, mm-hmm. I find it um, it's okay that it took us a minute, basically. Totally. And I also <laughs> think as a freelancer or as somebody who, you know, you're kind of used to saying yes and then you're thinking, oh, what, what kind of maternity leave am I going to take? And it's kind of slightly up in the air. Yeah. So you're working relentlessly up until this point that you have to have the baby so that you can etch out some time on the far side. Yeah. But I think sometimes that can mean that you're literally not, like, yeah. you haven't really, yeah, connected. Well, we've talked about this quite a lot. So um, I was at you after art, just straight back to work. There was no break. I was yeah. actually, my bed was my office, baby on the boob mm-hmm. and begging for money for my business from people on the phone and also trying to write a book. And it was, yeah. I don't know what I thought I was doing. When I had Valentine, I just did nothing for mm. six months, set up and out of office and I took that six months off. And what my advice to like, you know me, I am a feminist to the end in terms of the way that I choose to live my own life. Yeah. However, one of the great things that I think you can do for yourself and taking control as women is to make decisions that are based on your happiness, not what you feel that you should do. And taking six months off work and maternity leave was a right. And I realised, because as a freelancer, you forget this is what women are campaigning for out in America when they only get like two weeks off. And this is all they want. And there's me with an opportunity to take that. And I wasn't taking it. What an idiot. These women are desperate for it. And it should be something that you get. So not to allow yourself maternity leave. It's just a punishment It's on a yourself. punishment. And I think that's the, when I look back, I'm like, wow. It's so, it felt so cruel, yeah. actually, you know, leaving. And I was just saying before that idea of I would go and do early breakfast radio and I would sit and I would pump at 3 a.m. in like, you know, it was April. Yeah. Um, in the pitch dark, pump, leave milk, go in to do this job that at the time was really new. So there's kind of adrenaline yeah. and there's fear and whatever. And do the gig, uh, come home, like boobs ready to explode, feed Go back to bed. Why did we do it? Absolutely crazy. But I think it's that fear of losing yourself yeah. in that. And maybe the fear of actually being at home and what that what that yeah. shows up. You being at home and being a mother and being like quiet. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about when you have your second, and I'm sure this is my experience and wouldn't say this is going to be your mm-hmm. experience if you have another one or if it's anybody else's. It's my experience because you're already a mum. Yeah. Um, you know what to expect. So when you take that time off to be at home, 
it's just a fucking holiday. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I was just so happy. I was like, I want to be a housewife for the mm. six months. I want to do nothing but have this baby in a carrier or on my boob. Yeah. I want to lie on my bed, watch TV, read books, listen to audio books and just mm-hmm. do this. And all being well, you know, I had a good experience after Valentine. Everything health-wise was great and all of that. So I was lucky to be able to indulge in that. And yeah. it's, you know, my big advice to new mums who are like me and very, very, very ambitious and work for themselves is please, please don't be a martyr and mm-hmm. give yourself that time and get the help you need if you need it. I mean, I didn't actually have any help with Art until he was about five months. Um, but, and it was actually Chris who said, we need to get some help yeah. and started like interview Nanny. So I was like, no, we don't need it. We don't need it. And then as soon as I got like a few hours childcare, I was like, oh, okay, there she is. I'm coming back and mm-hmm. coming back. And then um, anyway, I think. But I think maternity leave, everyone kind of thinks is is for the baby. And, no, you know, it's not. For yeah. the, the baby will be fine. Yeah. The baby will be fine. The baby has milk. However, mm-hmm. it's getting it. The baby will be fine. It's yeah. all for you. And it is a time in a woman's life that she should absolutely take yeah, and indulge in. So in terms of yeah. luck, we're, we're very lucky, of course. Yes. You know, I've got, I'm sure we've both got friends that are having a really difficult route to motherhood yeah. and have since having kids have had a terrible time. And I really, I feel for them so much. And um, I, I find luck quite... Uh, in some areas of my life, I'm happy to apply it. In other ways, I slightly resent the, the notion term. of yes. Yeah, but okay. when it comes to our healthy babies, we're very lucky. Absolutely. Um, do you, is there anyone that you that you see and that you think, God, you're so lucky? <laughs> I mean, it's not a particular person, which is not answering your question. No, that's it. Whatever but, you want to say is fine. Okay. So, uh, so what I've noticed of late, and I've been working really hard on on being present, right? Which sounds all you know a bit fluffy, but what I realised was that my I was very fixated on on the next thing, on the next yeah. thing, to the point where you know I would write a list. I'd have these kind of sometimes outlandish things on that list that would then magically happen. And I wasn't even able to to enjoy those things, the yeah. doing of those things. I realised that a lot of things in my life, on paper, absolutely perfect. It's all you've ever wanted. It's exactly as you imagined. Mm-hmm. It's what you wished for in your wildest dreams and you're miserable. And so I I kind of have just started, and, and I guess I started to look around and... Because previously I would look around at people who had achieved, achieved, achieved and feel like they they were the, you know, the lucky ones. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think a lot of that, often that success is driven by, you know, um, an unease sometimes. Yeah. At least I think that's the case for me. And so that idea of sitting, like of enjoying simple things, pedestrian things that I would have previously gone, I'm not doing soft play. I mean, absolutely not. Those kind of, I know. Yeah. So, but actually those, those little things that, that are, yeah, as trite as it sounds, the, the kind of big things, Uh you know. And so even though my maternity leave, let's say, was really short, I've started to kind of, if I'm not working in a morning, to take Ruby into bed and read stories and kind of try to apply this slightly more gentle approach to a day rather than, oh, I've got a day off. Who do I need to email? What needs to be done? And the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need, 
the, the reason I got into this work was actually for freedom so I can go all in and then I can retreat yeah. and what I wasn't doing was retreating I wasn't enjoying that kind of stillness or the downtime yeah. and actually properly recharging so that when it came to everything going yeah. nuts you were prepared so mentally and emotionally yeah. completely because you're like where is the next thing coming from what's going to happen and so it, I have kind of I suppose been inspired by people you know friends um, yeah people who seem to be able to enjoy those things yeah. and moments that actually a lot of us are not even really aware we're missing. Yeah. Does no, it's such a good point and I completely agree. When you see someone really relaxing, you're like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, what I am I noticed was I was going, oh yeah, I'm going to go home to Ireland. Right, what, what date? Yeah, yeah. book the flights. I've It's a wild panic. I'm working right up until the end. Then I go to Ireland and I'm kind of, you know, flapping around yeah. for a few days and it's really only when I arrive back that I go, oh... What, why was I there? Like yeah. the purpose of being there forgot is... Forgot to have a nice time. I forgot to have a nice time. Yeah. I forgot to actually be there. I was there, ticked a box and then I left. But like I, I just wasn't there. Right. So I'm, yeah, working on working on that. That's a nice, it's a nice thing to try and apply to your life. Mm. And I do think it comes with age. And yeah, I do think, and I do think you, you the, this is the transition to slightly making your happiness the most important thing rather than your success and your achievements. Yeah. And I think that starts to happen kind of late 30s onwards. And, mm. and that's why we're going to be old and happy. Yeah. And I think maybe we're like in a privileged position where you think, actually, you know, I feel like I have achieved a level of success. Yeah. So I can say, oh, that's, that doesn't equate to happiness. Uh-huh. You know, whereas if yes. you feel like you're still scrambling, yes, exactly. then you're like, you think that's the yes. thing that's, you know, holds the key. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, like quite a hard lesson to learn when you have put all your eggs in one basket mm-hmm. and then suddenly you arrive there and, you know, it's empty. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, um, here's Sorry, the thing. Is that the end? No, no, well, we are we are very to the end. I'm just going to cut it. I'm, I'm just going to cut it after empty. <laughs> I'm actually quite a jolly girl. So Angela was voted by Vogue in 2013 for her cheerfulness. Well, do you know what I love about this chat? Because we're we're good friends, and yeah. um, and I just find you hilarious. And every time I look at your face, I just want to burst out laughing. Why? But what I so I didn't. Head. So what I love about this chat is that I didn't know what we were going to talk about. Really, I just yeah. waffle on and see where the conversation takes me and um and it was it was a really great conversation mm. about real feelings with yeah. a few laughs <laughs> scattered in there um i got to know you a little bit better today great. so thank you so much Angela. thank you thanks so much again angela for talking to me on so lucky angela's new podcast about our attitude to gratitude thanks a million is out now and i'm a guest on it and there's still some fantastic guests to come on this series of So Lucky. So please do make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your smart speaker of choice to get each one as it drops. If you enjoyed this conversation, I'd so appreciate you leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. It helps more people find out about the podcast. And if you just can't get enough of me, then my own book, also called So Lucky, is out now in print, ebook, and audiobook. Thanks again to Angela, to producer Emma Caution at Rethink Audio, to Fanula, to Liz, to Kim and all the team at HarperCollins and to you for listening. See you next week. Hold up. 